Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Hey, we're talking about managing meltdowns, and here's why. Life's not easy. Life is not easy. All of us are doing life, with some degree or another, under pressure. Now, there are certain people who will tell you they love pressure. Oh, I thrive on pressure. Bless their hearts. There are some people that love pressure. There are some people that love, love, love drama. And when they come in and out of your life, they bring pressure and they bring drama. And when they leave your presence, you need to do two things. Number one, you need to pray. Number two, you need to spray. Spray something, Lysol, deodorant, but don't let that stuff get on you. And I realize that all of us go in and out of different seasons. So this morning's message might not resonate with the season that you are in, but and if you're watching from home, listen, there's somebody you know that this is their season. This is what they're going through. And it might be that they're a loved one, a family member, a friend, a co-worker. It might be somebody that you could minister to because that's what we're here for. We're here to serve our Heavenly Father. We're here to minister to others, to care for them. And, and guys, I went into the ministry many, many years ago with this heart, and that was to help people. I just wanted to help folks. I mean, that was my whole purpose of calling into the ministries. God, what do you want me to do to help people? To share the plan of salvation with folks that they might have a home forever to heaven, to try to make that clear and plain and, and, and repeat it again and again to them if I need to. And, and then for those of us that are saved and those of us that are going through difficulties and struggles in this life, that we might, we might be able to have an answer from God's Word on how to deal with the highs and lows and the ups and downs that... Uh, that come with this life that Jesus said, one that we're living in, we're going to have some trouble. So that, that's what I hope that you will do. I hope that if this doesn't resonate right now with your present season, that you'll think about somebody that you might be able to share what God's going to lay on my heart to give to you guys today. The message is for the wounded. If you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been betrayed, if you've ever been lied on, if you've ever been gaslighted, if you've ever been abused, if you've ever been misused and this message is for you if you've ever thought one time in your life i can't believe the person who did that to me is going to get by with it mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. then i want you to pay real close attention as i talk to you about two different characters out of the old testament you're going to see people that melt down in the bible you're going to see people that melt down around you you're going to be tempted to melt down yourself, but everybody stay calm. It was just a distraction. Father God, we love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, 
all of our soul and all of our strength. Fill me up with you this morning. I'm okay if you just get me completely out of the way. You want to use me as a mouthpiece to communicate your word and your truth. Then, Father, I, would, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would tell some people some things they hadn't heard before. And then you'd remind others of some things they know. They've heard it. They just, they just need a gentle nudge into, into maybe, making a, maybe making an alteration. Now, for, Father, I, I pray that you would bless. I pray that you would help us. I pray, Father, you would just enter into this room, into our hearts and into our minds now through your word. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to start with this quote on the side screen. How people treat you will determine their harvest, but how you respond will determine yours. And one of the best ways to respond to most things that happen in your life is just don't. Just don't respond. Not at all. You'll see that in a few minutes in the Bible, but a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a few people in our church. Matter of fact, several of you contacted us and you texted us, you called us, and you said, you know, uh, uh, I received a letter from you. And the letter said that you needed me to go down and buy some gift cards because there was a, a woman in our church that has cancer, and we need to do this discreetly because we don't want anybody to know about it. And so, uh, you know, and, and was there any truth to that? Did any of you get an email like that from one of our staff or pastors? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... So about four years ago, there was a scam that went around the country. It started over in the Florida and the East Coast and as to some of the older congregation churches. And what they did was they would go to a website of a church. They would see the pastors and staff's emails that were listed there. They would recreate an email that looked like that pastor's email or that staff person's email. They'd recreate it with maybe a letter off, a number added, or something, you know, a little different. And then they would get you know, some information where they could send an email to different people that they thought were connected to that pastor, staff member, or that church. And the request would be that they, you, you would go and you would buy gift cards and something like that. And, um, and they'd make up a story, oh, we got to do it discreetly, this person, you know, we don't want to. And then if you respond to it, they would tell you, oh, would you give me the number of that gift card online or take a picture of the gift card and I'll follow up with it. That way nobody will know, right hand won't know what the left hand is doing. And a lot of people fell for that about four years ago. And it's come back around the country again, hitting many churches from the east side to the west side, as well as it finally dipped into Grand Junction into some of you folks that are here at the church. And, and, and many of you are, many, you're so smart, you immediately realize, look, this is abnormal. They've never done this before. This doesn't even sound right. The verbiage isn't right. The punctuations is off. It doesn't even sound. And phone calls were made. Hey, anything to this? I mean, if you need help, what? And we, no, 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 no. Just ignore it. It's a scam. It's a con. It's meant to take something from you that you're not supposed to give up. And the best thing that you can do when a scam hits your life is what, folks? Ignore it. Don't respond to it. Don't figure it out. Don't even try to straighten them out because they do not care. Now, it's very interesting when you understand that this is kind of the ploy of our enemy, the devil. The enemy wants to distract us with things that are simply not true, with things that will never come to pass, with things that are just going on in your mind and not happening in reality. And one of the names of Satan, and I want to see how many of you know this. It might just be an older generation. I don't know. How many of you have ever heard the term, the title, Beelzebub, for Satan? Would you raise your hand if you ever heard that title? Yeah. And many of you have not. But in the Bible, Satan is referred to as 
the title Beelzebub. Now, do you know what the title Beelzebub means? Are you ready? It means Lord of the Flies. Yeah, like the movie. Lord of the Flies. Now, think about that for a moment. A fly can't do anything to hurt you. No. A fly cannot wreck your car, but a fly can cause you to be distracted to a point, watch, where you wreck your own car. So one of the greatest ploys of the enemy is to get you and I to become distracted. We know that we're here accepting Christ as our personal Savior. We are here to serve our Lord. And what the enemy does is try to distract you. Some little problem happens in your church. And now you're off of worship. You're off of service. You're off of giving because some little problem, some little person's personality. Heard somebody the other day say something, you know, I tell you what, I've had two bad experiences with churches. And I said, really? I had three bad experiences with Starbucks. <laughs> I hate Starbucks. I'll tell you right now, I'm not going back to Starbucks. The Starbucks, I, I don't applaud. I don't, I'm not saying. <laughs> Starbucks is fine. <laughs> the point I was making was, nothing wrong with Starbucks. It's the 14-year-old employee that tried to take my order at Starbucks who doesn't like being there at 6.30 in the morning, who has an attitude, who had to fight with their parents before they ever went to their job, who took my order with an attitude, who didn't count my change correctly because they, they can't count and they didn't have a calculator. And, 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 and it, so here's the problem. I have a Starbucks, nine. I did have a problem, though, with an employee that worked there, the personality of an individual. So when somebody said, I'll tell you what, I had a problem with that church, you didn't have a problem with church. That is God's church. This is the Heavenly Father's church, and it is perfect in His eyes. Now, the people that come here, that's a whole other issue. Because all of us come in here with our own issues, with our own personalities, with our own problems, tired, exhausted, under pressure, all that kind of stuff. So it's very possible that you had a problem with somebody's personality of an individual who went to a church, but you didn't have a problem with God's church. No, you didn't. Any more than I got a problem with the mall. The mall's just the mall. It's the people that you might have a problem with. But notice the distraction. When you once were serving and you once were living, giving, giving and, and doing what God wanted you to do and you're reading your Bible every day and everything's good, all of a sudden something happens and the enemy hits you with a distraction to cause you to get off course. Well, back in the book of Nehemiah, and I'm going to try to mesh two Bible characters out of the Old Testament together. I'll tell you both their stories, read some scriptures from both books, see if I can time together in the end on how they responded and how they reacted to different things. The first one is Nehemiah. Really cool story about Nehemiah. Nehemiah has only six chapters in it. And you remember what Nehemiah did? What did, what did he do? You remember what he's famous for? Uh, he rebuilt the wall in Jerusalem. That's right. But he had a great job. In chapter 1, he was working for a king, cupbearer. He was living in a palace. Everything's going good in the life of Nehemiah. But he asked the question. He said, how are the people of God doing back in Jerusalem? And when he heard, they're not doing that good. They're in a bad situation. The wall's broken down. They're vulnerable to attack. Nehemiah, after getting that word, put a plan into action. By the way, y'all, just so you know, that's how we decide what courses and what series y'all get. 
We ask each other on the staff. We talk to high-capacity volunteers. We talk to you in the lobby. We talk to you on the sidewalk. And here's what we're doing. We're finding out, how y'all doing? And from that, we'll develop a class for this or a class for that. Or Pastor Tim will throw up a class for end times for those of you that are wanting to know more about that. He, he developed curriculum when it had to do with uh, spiritual warfare because this isn't a picnic down here. One-third of all the angels fell with Satan. Therefore, there's a demonic presence here, and they're working and active in a lot of people. And so we'll develop different courses. But people going through divorce are hurt. Okay, we got classes for that and courses of that. And, and we do all that by doing exactly what Nehemiah did in Nehemiah chapter 1, and that is, how y'all doing? Okay, let's do, let's do something. Let's put an action plan into place. So he does this in chapter 1. He gets a plan to praise, get some stuff together, pull some people together. Chapter 2 through chapter 5, he goes into this major construction project. He becomes a contractor. And in chapter 6, he's almost finished with the work. And watch what the enemy does in his life. Sambalat, verse 1 Chapter 6, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out. By the way, <clears throat> you will always have enemies. You are never going to be liked by everybody. There are going to be people that are jealous of you. There are going to be people who hate the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life, and they can't even tell you why. And you walk in a room, they don't like you. They cop an attitude. They side-eye you. Because simply because you are a born-again child of God, you will never make everybody happy. Everybody is not going to like you. Never set that as a goal in your life. You have enemies, and you will forever on this earth have enemies. He said, and our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set the doors and the gates. That sounds just like a contractor today, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, we're finished. Oh, wait a minute. We had not hung the doors yet, right? He says, so Sam Ballin and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? I love that. It's almost like, I'm working, you're not, I, I, I'm not coming. Four times they sent the same message. Uh, here's a side note here. The enemy's never going to stop trying to distract you. He's going to keep coming back again and again. Well, I said no to him. Okay, good. You'll have to say it again. Well, I defeated it. That, that's wonderful. He's coming around again. It is his job to keep coming. It's your job to keep saying no. And that's just how life's going to be. The enemy's never going to give up. Four times they sent the same message, nothing new. The enemy doesn't have anything new to hit you with. And each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, Sam Ballot's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor among, they said, there's a rumor among the surrounding nations that, and Geshem tells me it's true. Well, if Geshem says it's true, it's got to be true, right? That you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you're rebuilding this wall. According to the reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports to Geshem that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem. They're running around saying, look, there's a king in Judah. And you can be very sure that this report's going to get back to the king. So I suggest you come down and talk, talk it over with me. And I replied, there's no truth to any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining 
that they could discourage us and stop the work. So here's my response to your plan of distraction, Satan. I continued the work with even greater determination. A couple of observations, the first one being this. The Bible says that the attack of distraction did not come into Nehemiah's life until he was, where in the project? Almost finished. And this is many times what we see in the lives of individuals. They're almost got the business and then a distraction. The marriage is just like almost, just almost there. Boom, major hit, major distraction. The kids are almost out of school, and then they get a major distraction, a DUI at 17. All of a sudden, there's something that happens right toward the end of something great that is about to happen. And that is always when the enemy is going to try to distract your life. Here's a good way to just kind of look at it. Anytime you're really working hard on something that you think is very important and God wants you to do, if the enemy tries to bring a distraction at that point, just rejoice in the fact you are almost finished with that project. Because that's when the enemy tries to hit you. Here's the second thing. is Nehemiah just stated, this is my call. This is my purpose. This is my season. This is what I'm supposed to do. And Nehemiah's determination was, I'm going to stay in my lane. I don't know what you're doing over there in your lane. I don't know what you're trying to accomplish over there. I don't know what your agenda is for all of you. I don't even know if you're working. All I know is that I am working. I'm working on finishing school and getting good grades. And no, 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 I'm not going to be distracted with you right now. I'm trying to accomplish this and being able to go on to college. I'm not going to be distracted with this. I'm going to stay on course. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to keep doing what God would have me to do. And here's a quote. It's a good one. Our future depends on what we learn to ignore. Now, husbands... You have been accused of being masters at ignoring, right? Have you not been accused of that? All of us know how to ignore. The question is, are you ignoring the right things or or the wrong things? All of us have a future based on what we learn to ignore. Now, most of us know the story of Jonah. Let me jump to another one. We all know that he ran from God when God wanted him to do a certain something. We all know that God prepared a fish and spoke fish. We heard last week God speaks fish, and the fish swallowed Jonah up. We all know that. We all know that he carried around, the fish carried him around for three days, three nights. We know that. We know that he repented. He said, hey, I'll get back to what you want me to do. We know that God spoke fish. The fish spit Jonah out exactly where Jonah was supposed to be, and then Jonah heard the word of God a second time. And the Bible says, and then he went and he spoke to the people of Nineveh. And he did, watch this, after that, he did in one day in that large city of Nineveh, the capital of Syria, he did in one day what should have taken him three days had he gone the first time. So he did in one day after the second chance was given to him what would have taken him three days had he done it the first time. Oh, oh. he did in one day... After he received a second chance of what, if he'd originally done it the first time, would have taken him a whole three days. Now, here is the final chapter to the story of Jonah. Let's see how many of you know it. 
The Bible says that God, after Jonah went in there and said, y'all better repent, God's going to rain down judgment on you, and he's going to destroy this place, you better get right with God, put away your idols, quit treating God's people harshly the way you've been treating them, and you better get your act together, God's going to come in here and wipe y'all out, right? So there, they did that for a whole day. And the Bible said the people actually listened. The Bible said the people of Nineveh, they repented. They said, oh, no, we don't want, to, we don't want that to happen. And so they, he said they, they, they actually turned back to God. And then the Bible says that God was like, okay, then. I'm not going to wipe you out. not going to be another Sodom and Gomorrah here. I'm just, okay. Okay, well, we'll be good now. Now, Jonah, ego got hit. Jonah said, this is going to happen. And now God said, oh, I don't think so now. And Jonah's like, you got to be kidding me. Did you not hear me going there? And I did a little rant. Remember that? Remember me? I got up there and I, got, I yelled at him and stuff. You don't remember that? Well, I'm going to look like an idiot now, God, if this doesn't happen. And God says, well, I've decided now that you did that, what they did, I, I'm not going to have that. Okay, now watch, watch. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish in the first place. I knew you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if, I, if, I, if, if what I predicted will not happen. Oh, no, ego. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? And then Jonah went out to the east side of the city, made a shelter, sat down under, as he was waiting to see what happened to the city. Now, God wasn't going to do anything to that city. And the Lord God, and I think this is very funny, arranged, now while he's sitting there having a pity party, he, God arranged, because God speaks leafy plant, obviously, God arranged a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head. Now, here he is, his little child, like he's pouting, and God said, well, I don't want you to get sunburned. Let me make a leafy plant. Let me shade you. I'll take care of you. And this eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Well, that's good. But God also arranged a worm, because obviously God speaks worm. And the next morning at dawn, and the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind, because God speaks east wind, to blow on Jonah, and the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint, and he wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, I mean, this guy's a mess, isn't he? He said, kill me for this, now kill me for that. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you had nothing to do to put it there. You came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Should I feel sorry for such a great city? Now, after everything that Jonah had gone through, the whole three days and three nights and the whole repentant, give me another chance, God, kind of a prayer in the belly of the whale, you would think that his attitude about the city or anything God wanted to do, God, use me, I'll stay in my lane, I won't get in your lane. I don't even have an opinion now about what you want to do, God. You know, I was in the whale. Remember the whale? He got me out of that. 
so I'm good with whatever. You would think that, right? But you need to know that Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and the Assyrians had a history of destroying the people of J Jerusalem. So many of Jonah's family and friends had all been under attack by the people that lived in Nineveh. He had been abused. Watch this. He and his family had been abused by these people for decades. We're talking generational abuse over and over again. So this shows you just how deeply Jonah felt that these people should be punished for the hurt and the damage that they caused him and his loved ones in their past. Now, God was like, Jonah, I understand that you're upset. I understand that you're angry. But you're mad at me for the very same thing I just did for you. You wouldn't be alive today if you got what you deserve. So, Jonah, what you're really upset about is my consistency in my character when it comes to people you don't like. What you're really upset about is that I'm as good to them as I've been to you. And, Jonah, the truth is they're not getting away with anything, and here's why. Their actions do not and never have stopped your destiny. Let me personalize it. I would dare say that everybody in here has a story of how or who hurt you in the past. And many of you think, well, because of that, then, you know, they need to, I'm just watching them. I, now all of a sudden you're stalking them on Facebook. And you see they went on a vacation, and you see they look like they're doing good, and, and now she's like 10 years younger than you, and uh, they just got a new car, and it's like, God, when is he going to get what's coming to him? Look at the damage he's done. Look what he did to his kids. All these things has gone on in my life, and, then, and it just seems to me, because Facebook, you know, Facebook's fake. It's filtered and fake. And you never know what's going on in the inside of anybody's life. It, but it looks like to you. Now you've got a problem because it looks like to you that that individual, those people, are not getting what they deserve. And they're going on not thinking about you. But your life is now, now I want to help you, so please, please, please don't get mad at me. Your life's stuck. Because of some things that you haven't handled correctly. Ne hey, Nehemiah did. Nehemiah's like, eh, not paying any attention to that. But Jonah, on the other hand, is like, I'm not going to be really happy and can't move forward until a few things happen with those who have hurt me. And God's like, stay in your lane, Jonah. Stay in your lane. You do what you're here to do. Stay focused. Don't get distracted. And let me be God. Let me be God. Yeah. All right, here's what you got to do. Here's three things. Number one on the side screen of the few minutes we have left. First of all, you need to release your expectation for answers. Release your expectation for answers. Don't let your past distract you from a great future. Don't get distracted here. You see, sometimes we feel like we need answers in order to have closure. Closure is a choice. Closure is a decision you make. You decide when you're going to be done with it. When you close the door of your, that chapter of your life, then that door is closed. And here's the thing. You can close it now. Closure is a decision that you make. Nothing on the outside has to happen for you to say, that chapter in my life is done. It is over. Now, let me help you. You decide when you stop looking in your rearview mirror. 
You might be waiting for information to come your way. They can't even explain to you why they did what they did. So the answer you might get from them wouldn't even make sense. You can't get an answer because they think, that, uh, even though they were the perpetrator, they still might think in that situation with you that they were the victim. So you got to release the need for an answer. You can't have your future held up waiting on an answer from them. Because if you do, you'll waste years of your life if you're not careful. Close the door on it, and you can decide to close it now. Release your expectation for answers. They're not coming, and even if you got them, they wouldn't do you any good anyway. Here's the second thing. Re-examine your assumption about its impact. Just re-examine it. You imagine in your mind, oh my goodness, this whole thing, this thing that has happened with me, has really had a worse outcome or worse future involved with it than, than, than it really did. The truth is you're thinking, that messed up my life. They messed up my life. And the truth is they can't mess up your life. All they can do is all they can do is get inside your car, I mean, get inside your mind and cause you to mess it up yourself. Your actions right now have more bearing on your future than anything that has happened to you in your past. They can lie, they can spread rumors, but they can't stop your future. They can write a post about it, they can write blogs about it, they can tell others about it, because what God has for you is for you, and he can block anything that they want to do in the future in your life if you'll just shut the door on it. Kick them out of your heart, close the gate, put a lock on it, stand guard. They can't hurt you anymore. That is your decision to make. And watch this. God restores. Look at the side screen. God restores your reputation in the minds of those who are critical for your destiny. And if those in your future don't see the change that has taken place in you and what God has put in you, then they don't matter to your destiny. God restores that. Here's the third thing. Rejoice in God's willingness to redeem. I love this. God did in one day for Jonah what should have taken three. And one of the things that hurts people the most when they've gone through a very difficult, hurtful season of their life is they begin to think, look at all the years I wasted. Look how old I am now. I'm too old now. I had somebody, I'm, I'm serious, two weeks ago a, a person in our lobby looked at me with tears in their eyes and said this, I think with what I've gone through and the years that I've wasted, I'm too old for joy now. I'm too old for joy. That's what they said. But when God says that he will redeem the time, what he meant by that is, and this is what he means, it's not that he's going to give you more time. It means that he is going to do more in the time that you have left than he did in your life in the time before that thing happened. That's his promise, that God will redeem the time in your life, that you just hang on to him. But you've got to do a couple of things wrong. right. You can't just and be distracted by what has happened in your past. You see, forgiveness is writing off what you owe me as bad debt. What you owe me, you could never pay anyway. Listen, even if they said they're sorry, even if they wrote you a letter, even if they went to everybody in your family and said, I was so wrong, that does not take back the sleepless nights. That does not take back the tears that you shed. That does not take back the wasted years that you involved investment into that relationship. Even if they came back with what you think might work, it would not work one bit. 
So therefore you choose. I choose to allow the blood of Jesus to cover the sin and the harm that you brought into me. And by that, I choose to forgive you. And I choose to forgive you, not because you deserve to be forgiven. I choose to forgive you because I deserve to be free. Love you all. Have a good lunch. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior and to guide my life, to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.